Hello and welcome to Meet Our Makers, an artist interview podcast produced in association with Beats Per Minute. I'm your host, Jeremy J. Fissett. On this episode, we get to meet Spencer Krug. Spencer is probably best known as one of the singers and songwriters of indie rock stalwarts Wolf Parade. But he's also had a long, fruitful, and varied solo career, and has been involved in many bands, including Sunset Rubdown, Moonface, and more. In this chat, Spencer and I talk a bit about all of that, including Wolf Parade and what they were up to over the past few years. But we also talk quite a bit about his brand new solo record, Fading Graffiti, which happens to be the first record he's ever put out under his own given birth name. We talk about what it was like transitioning the songs on this new record from their original, ornate, solo piano versions into their more full-band rock versions. We talk a bit about the beginnings of his career and what it's like to look back over that, as well as what it's been like over the past year during the pandemic, especially given that he became a new father right at the beginning of it. So please enjoy, and thank you for listening. This is me meeting... Spencer Krug. I'm good. I'm a little bit fatigued today. I got home yesterday from um, doing some some recording some live sessions um, out on Gabriel Island, which is an island that is about an hour away from me. Doing um some sessions for kexp they're they're doing these oh, like yeah. home sessions right um hopefully we're like one of the last acts that needs to do it that way hopefully this is the tail end of that kind of thing and they can start doing their live studio sessions again i know i hope so i have seen a few of them some of them i mean some of them have been great but yeah i'm sure i'm sure you all miss going in there yeah you know just being around people yeah of course doing it this way it was actually like um because you record the song and then send it to them the pressure of being live is not there true so in a lot of ways in that way at least it was easier um but i mean it takes a lot longer yeah i'm more just for their sake i hope that they can get back to normal um, yeah and not have to and they, they, I've been in that studio before. It's it's an amazing space, and it's a shame that it's just sitting there not getting used. Right. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm glad they found a way to kind of keep it going. Um, you know, them and and the tiny desk people too. Um, it's nice that they've sort of adapted. But yeah, I also can't wait for things to go back a little bit to how they were. Mm-hmm. Were these sessions uh, you, or were they Wolf Parade sessions? No, they were me. Um, for the new solo record yeah more or less okay yeah we did a few of those songs okay but they i have this terrible habit of like constantly um reinventing and reworking stuff so Mm -hmm. the we didn't play the songs as they sound on the record i played them with the same guitarist and drummer that are on the record, but the bass player and the lap steel player are both American, so they couldn't make it over the border for obvious oh, reasons. Sure. Yeah. Um, so we reworked the instrumentation so that I'm on the record. I'm just playing acoustic guitar, 
the whole time because mm. um, that was something I wanted to try. But for these sessions, I switched back over to like Rhodes, like electric pianos to, to add a kind of low end element. Mm -hmm. And then that sort of one thing leads to another and I end up putting like a synthesizer on top of the piano and then we're reworking the songs <laughs> for a third time, uh, which is really fun, but also like kind of unnecessarily time consuming maybe, <laughs> but a tinkerer, it's fine. I'm a tinkerer, yeah, yeah, at heart. Yeah, and, and those guys were totally good sports about it. Uh, Eli That's and nice. Jordan. Yeah. So are so you are you in Vancouver right now? I'm on Vancouver Island. Okay, okay. Which is, and where are you? I'm in Connecticut, so that's why it's 9:21 here. <laughs> right, right. Sorry about that. Oh no, it's fine. I have it's Memorial Day tomorrow here, so I have off tomorrow from work. So oh, right. I, I'm good that's with doing up. Don't worry. <laughs> Tomorrow is not a holiday in Canada. Yeah, I assume. <laughs> we have veterans. We just remember them on a different day. Sure. Well, the whole world doesn't have to remember it on the same day. <laughs> is that even what Memorial Day is? Is it for uh, veterans? My God. You know, I should know a better answer to this. <laughs> I yes, I think it's I think it's specifically for fallen veterans. Yeah. Okay. Right. That makes sense. And then like Veterans Day is like all of them, I think. We should stop this line of conversation right now. <laughs> I asked why, where you were because um, you asked where I was. And right. most, not most, but many Americans, no, let's say most, most Americans don't know that Vancouver is not on Vancouver Island because it makes sense that it would be, right? <laughs> or when they hear that a Vancouver Island exists, they go, oh, well, that's most likely where Vancouver is. Right. But we are just didn't Canadians didn't have a lot of uh, imagination when we were naming things. Yeah. Out West renaming things. Right. Um, I mean, we didn't so, have a lot of imagination here. Most of New England is named after towns in England. So. Right. So it's kind of yeah, we didn't really uh, branch out too much here either. We did that with the same. We named things after uh, an explorer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I will say I, I did know they were two different places. However, I couldn't tell you where each of them is. They're in, right in... beside each other. Okay. Well, of course they are. Just over the water. <laughs> of course they are. Take a I know I was from Vancouver to Vancouver Island. It takes about an hour and a half. You're actually like my second, shockingly, maybe, maybe not shockingly, but my second person for the show who's at least there or from there. I was talking to Sarah Newfeld a few weeks ago. Oh yeah. Um, who who told me she was from there? So yeah, I mean, I was aware of it, but not as much as as you say, most Americans probably don't know. So yeah, I'm, I, I'm kind I, of lumped in no with idea. that. It's fine. Um. So, so okay. So yeah. So you're on uh, far west Canada. Yes. Um, in the kind of the rural countryside, about mm -hmm. an hour north of uh, Victoria, which okay. is this island's uh, biggest city. Okay. Um, so how has, especially this current year, how have, how have the past few months for you been around there and for you personally? The past few months have been quite a lot like the few months before those ones <laughs> and a few months before that. So has it um, not felt like anything has really been shifting? Do you mean in so much as like since the record has come out 
Um, or do you I, mean like I mean mostly pandemic, pan- mostly pandemic related? Yeah. Um, the pandemic for me, of course, everything changed in the same way that it changed for everyone else. It's mm-hmm. just that the timing weirdly worked out for me, I guess, is the best way to put it. I don't want to make it sound like I think pandemic was like a fortunate thing. Right. But the my son was born on April 8th of 2020, which oh. is kind of right after things ramped up, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so after the stress of like a home birth because hospitals were so fucked up oh yeah that um the, the me even being at the, the the delivery was up in the air and just the hospitals were such an uncomfortable place to be anyway um my wife and i decided well you know she decided it's totally her call uh to to go for a home birth um lucky for me because then I got to be there um Mm -hmm. once that stress was over and he came out you know happy and healthy we settled into a lifestyle that was kind of ideal for having an infant which is to just be home all the time like the two of us (laughs) home all the time with him which is Mm -hmm. mostly what I would have wanted to be doing anyway for the first year of his life um I would have if I had been touring I would have been doing it begrudgingly right um you know just because i had to kind of thing because i would would have wanted to be home with him for you know for at least the first year of his life as much as i as much as i could have been and i got to do that yeah actually this session out on gabriel island that i just told you about i was there for uh like three days that's the longest i've ever been away from him Mm. um so in that way, weirdly, I'm very fortunate that that, that happened to me as, as a first-time parent. Um, and things, things like if for the same as everyone else, things have been just very like the same and stagnant. Other than like watching him change and grow daily, our lifestyle is like very routine. Mm-hmm. Um, I work out of a studio that I built in the backyard. Okay, let me rephrase that. To say that I built <laughs> the studio makes me sound like more of a lumberjack than I really yeah, am. Big carpenter. I, I I paid a friend to put walls <laughs> on the inside of a woodshed that already was in the backyard, um, and then moved my instruments inside of it. That's what I did, and uh, it worked out great because now I can I can work from home, obviously. And uh, mm-hmm. I make a lot of music back here. I just tinker around back here. Like, like I'm already an old man. I'm just, <laughs> uh, I'm like a, an old hobby farmer in his greenhouse or something. Yeah. I come back hob- here. And, but your hobby's making music. Yeah. And then I have the, the great fortune and privilege of being able to post that music online and, mm-hmm. um, and have it help me pay rent. Sure. Which is, you know, very lucky. And that that whole structure through Patreon and the internet 
I weirdly had already set up in 2019. Um, just because it's something I wanted to try. So by the time the pandemic hit, that was like the 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 whole structure for me to be able to work from home was already built and in place. So yeah. in that way, I was like really fortunate too. Yeah, that's just like a, a very nice chain of events to lead up to something that could have been a lot, lot worse for you. Right. Right. I feel actually now that I'm describing it all, I feel I feel terrible. <laughs> like I feel <laughs> guilty. It hasn't been that bad. It's you know, of course we've been craving um parties and friends and restaurants. And I wish my son could spend more time with other babies. Mm -hmm. like the same things that everyone else is feeling. We're, we're feeling them, but we never uh panicked, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And I mean, I, I get I get the guilt. I mean, it hasn't been it's been a terrible net, you know, a net result has been pretty bad for the world, obviously, but individually, I mean, not everyone got COVID. Not every, I didn't even personally, honestly, know anyone who got COVID. Like my circle, we were all good, which I'm very, very grateful for. Um, so, you know, it didn't hit everyone the same. So I think it's, I don't know, we search for silver linings sometimes and I think it's okay, you know, to find them. Yeah, it's fine. It's the same as me. I, well, I know maybe a couple people that got COVID in there. We should stop talking about how <laughs> we don't know people with COVID because we're just giving fodder to the I know. and the, I know. the conspiracy theorists. It's real. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> For the record, it. I'll just it's say it real. here. It's real, everyone. Don't don't think we think it's not real. Did you get vaccinated? I did. I'm I'm um, an English, a high school English teacher. So I was able to get in a little earlier than I probably could have. Oh yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That makes so sense. I was, yeah. I was happy about that. It was still later, <laughs> later than I wanted, of course, but, um, Connecticut was pretty good with our schedule. Um, so I was able to get in there a little earlier than my age group was. Yeah. So you Americans, nice. you, you, you kind of won the the vaccine battle. Yeah, you wrote was, that out real quick. I know we did. And I talk about guilt. I mean, I'm grateful for it. But I do feel for everyone else who largely does not have the same experience happening in their countries, including Canada. We're coming around now. Mm -hmm. But it was kind of funny that and weirdly typical that it seemed like from what I saw, online and on news and stuff america was the place where there were so many people like whatever like everything's <laughs> fine let's go party like spring break cannot be canceled we must right. party in florida we must go to church blah 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 <laughs> and trump of all people being like the vaccine's coming don't worry about it right and then he's weirdly right <laughs> yeah right <laughs> as soon as the vaccine happened you guys just like bought a bunch of it and stuck oh, it yeah. in his arm and now yeah i mean i won't even feign to 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 you know, act like I understand how this all works and how like vaccine rollout works and who bought what and who's not able to buy what, but it did seem awfully quick and awfully uh, bountiful, our amount of this vaccine. Right. <laughs> and I'm just like, I keep hearing about other countries where they're like, oh yeah, we um don't have like any vaccines. Right. Yet. And I'm just yeah. like, oh shit, like that's real. And we are very fortunate here. And I know there are some other countries and yeah, you said Canada's kind of coming around. I know you guys have started at least um, working your way down the age groups. Um, yeah, it's, but it's slower, right? 
it's slower, but it's, I mean, I've been vaccinated and okay, uh, that's good. My wife actually got vaccinated today. Oh, her second, like her second shot, or do you guys only do a one shot? No, we're each doing two. She got, I got my first and she got her first. Okay. Um, she's just younger than I am. (laughs) (laughs) Um, not by a disturbing amount of years. Just I didn't say anything. (laughs) Um, she's slightly younger than I am, so she had to wait slightly longer. Yeah, those Uh, arbitrary lines. Yeah. Yes. But um, uh, we're. I think things are all of a sudden feeling a little more normal. That's or cool. like like normal is on the horizon. Um, yeah, I mean, some even provinces here, are doing better than others. Even here, it feels that way. I mean, we just. I actually, I again, I should know better than I do, but I, I, I think we just dropped most, if not all, mask mandates. Like, if you're vaccinated, which of course every idiot is going to say he's vaccinated, even if he's not. So we could not wear a mask, but that's another story. Um, so I know we're doing well, but even here, it still feels like, you know, it's still coming. It doesn't really feel like it's fully here yet. Um, yeah. It's iffy, you know, it's like, it's like nerve wracking, you know, to sort of act as if it is back to normal. Even if someone is telling me it is, I'm kind of like, mm, I'm not sure it is. Right. It's habitual at this point, too. I was thinking about that today, though, about, you know, the radio was talking about, like, will we be able to readjust back to the new normal? You know, that expression people Mm -hmm. like. And, uh, I mean, think about how fast we adjusted to life with COVID. It was... That's true. Eerily quick that people were like, oh, okay, I don't, like, I have to... stay six feet away from all my friends and I don't hug people anymore and we don't go to parties and we wear masks at the grocery store. It all became so normal in my mind, like crazy quick. Yeah. But we'll be able to fall back into old routines. Like it was nothing. Yeah. I I don't think, I think we're going to, it will all seem like a weird dream Mm -hmm. really all of a sudden when as soon as the restrictions are lifted, it's, I think we're going to strangely fall back into um, old habits and patterns easier than, than we think. Yeah. I mean, some people talk about how, like, even when we're quote unquote back to normal, it'll be like you say, a new normal, like it will, it'll never be like it used to be. It'll be a, a, a different version of what it used to be. And yeah, I think it's, and <laughs> I think that's a little overblown. I think maybe we'll, okay, we got to add a, a vaccine to our yearly vaccines probably that's probably true but otherwise i think things will generally be normal yeah which is good i mean yeah like you said we miss our friends we miss people we even introverts miss people i mean we 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 want that connection back so i think it is coming and i'm glad that you guys are kind of hopefully rounding a corner yeah and then hopefully those countries we're talking about that Mm -hmm. you know don't have enough of the vaccine we'll get it at I think a lot of that is due to countries like yours and mine, like hoarding. Mm-hmm. Too, well, maybe not America. I have no, I can't speak for America. <laughs> I know that Canada bought like way more than was necessary. Oh, we probably did too. Like more than our population. Like, yeah. like literally more <laughs> than like we just need. in case, just in case we get a few stragglers. Yeah. It's yeah. just this very strange kind of panic move. Yeah. I, I feel like we probably did something similar and you're, I mean, 
for whatever it's worth, you know, the countries with more money seem to be doing better with it. It just is what it is. And it's, unfor- well, it's, it's unfortunate, but there's yeah. no surprise there, right? No, there isn't. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I don't even, I hardly ever I forget. talk about COVID. Yeah. It's well, such a boring conversation. <laughs> I know. Doing it for 15 minutes. <laughs> it's fine. I forget what we were talking about, but that's fine. Um, <clears throat> so you did mention, or I did mention too, um, the new record you put out recently, Fading Graffiti. Was that recorded in your home studio? No. Okay. It was recorded in the same studio that I was just in. Oh, okay. Um, That's serendipitous. Yeah. Well, no we way. thought it would be fun to go back and represent the record in the place where it was made. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called The Noise Floor. It's on Gabriel Island. And um, it's run by... Terry and Jordan, two friends of mine, two great people. Jordan is actually, he's like the head engineer there. Um, well, he's the only engineer. He runs the <laughs> studio, Jordan Coop. And he ended up being the guitarist mm. on Fading Graffiti, but only after the fact. Neither he nor I nor anyone knew that that was going to happen when we were recording the bed tracks oh, okay um which is kind of neat we when i recorded it it was just me on acoustic guitar and uh my friend eli on drums and adrian on bass and what we did was the three of us in a studio that's closer to me just down the road uh, my friend Dante's studio, Dante from Wolf Parade, he lives just like 15 minutes away. He has a studio in his backyard that's like <laughs> bigger than my backyard studio. So we use that place to rehearse, the three of us. And what we did was uh, rework, reimagine, uh, rearrange the all these piano songs from that I posted onto Patreon throughout yeah. 2019. And we reworked them into rock and roll songs for lack of a better (laughs) genre and uh we didn't we knew that something else was going to be added down the line but i didn't know what that was and neither did anyone but we just went and recorded as a three-piece just guitar drums bass and it sounded pretty cool on its own which made the decision um the decision as to like what 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 kind of instrument to add to fill it out even harder i oscillated between like for a while i wanted to put violin on the record but adrian and eli were like no it doesn't need violin and i was like yeah maybe you're right and they're like you should put synths on it and i was like i don't want to play keyboards on this record because i always play keyboards i want to do something new and you know just another record with synths just felt like i don't know and then we, we had finished and I was on tour with Wolf Parade and Jordan, who's the engineer, uh, started sending me the tracks with him playing electric guitar on top. What, just like out of the blue, He's, it was just sort of like, cause he knew that I wanted to add probably electric guitar, uh, but I hadn't decided on who should do that because you know i only know so many musicians around mm-hmm. me on this island at this point and 
and he just started sending me like he's like if i was to play guitar on this track this is what i would do <laughs> and at first i was like no i don't i don't get it like i, I couldn't understand it's really funny i was like no he doesn't get this song he doesn't <laughs> totally know where i'm coming from it's it sounds cool but it's not what i want and then uh i realized that his playing like the his his licks were like stuck in my head um like even just later that day i had to listen to it again i was i remember it was like in the tour van i was like sitting in the back of the van listening to his take over and over again and it just like grew on me almost immediately to the point that within a few days i couldn't imagine the song without any other any other player on it hmm. um so I wrote, I remember writing him an email being like, what are your intentions with like writing <laughs> what are your me? intentions with my album? Yeah, like why are you sending me these tracks? Do you want do you want to <laughs> be the guitar player on the record if we go on tour? Can you come on tour? Like this whole thing. Do you want to join the band? And he was like, Yeah. So <laughs> that's how he ended up on the record. He plays it on every song, and his guitar mm -hmm. playing is like uh, a huge element of the the whole record, right? Mm -hmm. A huge part of the sound that really has nothing to do with me. It wasn't even my my idea. It was his idea. Yeah, he um, just kind of like hoped that you like kind of caught on to his wavelength of like, I think I kind of want to play, but. Yeah. Which yeah. is good. And it, it's, it's that, not it's the nice style that out. I. Oh yeah. Like if I had played synth over top of those songs, for example, there's no way that the notes the style of what I would have chosen would be anything close to what he did. Mm -hmm. um, but that's the beauty of collaboration, right? And, mm -hmm. uh, and just letting other people be themselves. I eventually ended up back in the studio with him and we kind of like together, him and I produced his part for the record and recorded all the good copy stuff. And that was really fun. It's totally all him. Mm. And then uh, my other friend, Nick, Murs, uh, who currently lives in California, he's really into lap steel. And yeah, I, I was going to mention the lap steel on the record. It's so beautiful. Oh, thanks. Well, on behalf of Nick, thanks. Mm -hmm. His uh, his playing on the record originated from conversations that him and I had when we were on tour with Wolf Parade because he was um, working for Wolf Parade on our last, very last tour, driving us around and helping us move stuff around and, and helping Dan with his guitars. And uh, he's a super talented guitarist and uh, steel player. And we'd had, he told me a couple times about how he felt that the instrument was more beautiful than the stigma of country music that was so attached to it. and. Mm -hmm. His uh, he, one of the things he wanted to do with his playing was bring the instrument out of the world of country, um, which I thought was really cool. So I was like, "Why don't you play on a couple songs?" And he ended up playing on like eight out of ten of them <laughs> or something. So now there's laughs still all over the record, which I think is really beautiful too. I and I get that it's it does make it sound more country just because that is so attached to that instrument. Yeah, I think it's, it's just an associative thing. I don't even think it's necessary. Like these don't sound like country songs. 
Right. There's no, in no other way are they country songs. Yeah. But that the country is so like pounded into the sound of that instrument. I know. I can hardly think of another instrument that has that much of an association tied to it. But you're it's right. Basically, it's an old man on a porch. With a yeah. Is what it <laughs> like is. A, or like saloon doors swinging closed. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, these don't sound like country songs and it's, it is, it's a nice addition to the songs that it's in and, and it doesn't turn them into country songs, you know? So he's, you know, he's right. He just, he recontextualized it. Well, I'm sure he'll be very glad to hear you say that. <laughs> and it's nice for me to hear that it doesn't, I mean, I got nothing against country music. Sure. Yeah. yeah but paper. that's not what you intended to make either. Yeah. Um, you did mention these used to be piano songs. Um why did you end up wanting to re-record them as more full band rock songs? I don't know. It's just an idea that occurred to me one day when I was driving hmm. that I, I, the idea, I guess, originated out of a desire to make the songs more accessible, probably. Hmm. I knew that I had put these songs on this platform called Patreon, mm-hmm. which I love. And it's like great oh, for It's me. like a godsend, honestly. Thanks. Or like, I don't, I don't know if you're saying that to me or to Patreon. Well, no, I just mean, cause <laughs> Patreon, like I know so many people like yourself have been using it for a year or more, or especially in this past year. And it's, oh yeah, it seems to have been quite a boon to a lot of people. Yeah, it's, it's helpful. Absolutely, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, and sorry, what was I saying? Oh, the idea. Yeah, so I put a bunch of piano songs onto Patreon, which I liked in and of themselves, and which the people that followed me on Patreon liked. But I, you know, I knew that probably after a year or two had passed, I would want to share them with others. But to simply then just take the same songs and uh, you know copy paste them onto a piece of vinyl, it seemed like one just like kind of too easy. But two, I felt that the songs were a little bit fussy and like maybe too more complicated than they need to be, which is like something that happens to my music when I write on piano. Mm. Um, not in necessarily a negative way, even though I'm making it sound negative. It's it's just the way that I write music on piano um, because I'm so like fucking trigger happy, basically. <laughs> I just like want to move my fingers as fast as possible. Um, and some people really love that and I really love it. But I thought maybe there's another way to present these songs to the to the whole world that makes them a little more accessible, I guess, for lack mm-hmm. of a better word, or like, it makes it sound like I think the piano versions are no good. And No, I don't think it does. Mm. It's just, I think, you know, when I think, I, I honestly, truly, I haven't, um, I don't think I've heard the piano versions of these songs, but I was a big fan of the uh, Moonface record, the, the, the Julia with Blue Jeans on record, which is all piano. Um, right. and 
I get what you mean when you say fussy and it sounds like a negative word, but I know that's not how you're meaning it because your arrangements, they, they tend to be kind of long and kind of like you luxuriate in these series of notes that as you say, you get trigger happy, you just kind of like to play them. Um, mm -hmm. It doesn't mean they're bad. I think it's just sort of a very different vibe, a different aesthetic. Yeah, I think I just, maybe like intricate is a better word mm, and I wanted to yeah, make something that's a good word. less intricate. Um, so I remember specifically just being on the highway one day being like, hey, maybe I should make a guitar record <laughs> out of those songs because I'm terrible at guitar. Um, or at least I'm not talented on guitar. <laughs> I can play, you know, the chords and I can move my hand around a little bit, but in no way am I uh, a, a virtuoso on the instrument. So I knew that translating the songs to that instrument would just automatically simplify them. Hmm. And that's what happened. But then they become entirely different beasts when you start adding other players and other people's ideas. And that's part of the fun. Yeah. So now every song exists in two entirely different ways, um, which I think is cool. Yeah, that is cool. And now you can theoretically, you can even play every song in two different ways, like whichever one you were feeling more like playing. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it makes for a, a more of like a convoluted, story for fans to follow if mm. they're if they're following but that's true it's not the end of the world <laughs> um was that sort of search for simplicity or at least simplifying the songs um was that tied at all to your releasing them under your own given name because this is your first album under your given name after many years of many names yeah it's true i was just curious what led to that decision the decision to simplify them or the decision to go with my own name? To go with your own name, yeah. Yeah. Or was it mostly arbitrary? No, it's not arbitrary. I mean, me putting out a record under my own name was going to happen regardless of what the record was i because okay. i i ended moonface for you know a number of reasons and that happened before the even the idea for this record existed i just okay. knew that the next record i was going to make was going to be spencer krug and not moonface mm -hmm. um but for all intents and purposes it's the exact same stuff it's just me doing whatever happens to come to mind that that given year um uh, the reason i wanted to put an end to moonface or the reasons i wanted to put an end to moonface as my solo moniker was uh i don't know one like the name started to feel really juvenile uh two when i came up with the name i didn't realize that the the word moonface is like an actual affliction that people suffer from. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that either. I think a lot of people don't until you Google moonface and you'll get like a bunch of uh 
pictures of me and then a bunch of pictures of people with like swollen faces because of um, oh. drugs that they have to take for some ailment that I can't that's that's I can't think of right now. Um, but I was like, well, that's not very cool <laughs> for those people uh, that I'm like naming my band after this affliction that they suffer from. And then the, the third thing you'll find if you Google Moonface is the name of this DJ or maybe DJ. I don't really know what they do, but it seems like, you know, it's like DJ or like electronic music artist that goes by the name Moonface and who went by the name Moonface long before I mm. uh, came up with the name. So basically when I came up with the name, I was really bad at Googling shit <laughs> and should have just done that first and then been like, well, this is a bad idea for a name. But I didn't, and then I ended up putting out like five records under that <laughs> name or something. But I, I wanted to change it for a long time. But changing your name, it's it's always like a bit of a gamble because it confuses people. Yeah, um, and just makes your whole story more complicated. Although you maybe your solo stuff has always been Moonface and now Spencer Krug, but you have been attached to many things with many names, as I said before. So I feel like it's not the most unexpected thing we could have gotten from yeah. you is a name yeah. change. So it's, I think it's fine. Thanks. <laughs> it's true. I mean, there's, it's probably not a big surprise to a lot of people. I would like to think that now as I approach my mid forties <laughs> and I'm releasing music under my given name, there's probably not a huge reason to change my, change it again, at least not my solo stuff. Yeah. But I don't, you know, who knows? Well, I think a lot of people also maybe over the years have assumed that every non-Wolf Parade thing you're in is a Spencer Krug solo project. You know, especially I feel like with like Sunset Rubdown stuff, I feel like a lot of people kind of just lump that in with Spencer Krug solo work, but it's definitely not. It's a whole band. So I do think there is maybe a maybe a nice directness to the fact that now a Spencer Krug solo record is just by Spencer Krug. Right. Except I'll still be working with other people. Of course. Yeah. So, But now we know that's the solo stuff. Solo, solo stuff. Sort of, sort of solo. Sometimes solo. Sometimes solo. <laughs> maybe it didn't make anything easier. Maybe I'm just walking no, in circles I mean, now. You know that guy, you know, Destroyer? Mm -hmm. He's a friend of mine. And I remember when I came up with the name Moon, came up with, like it's some great idea. When I had <laughs> the idea for Moonface, I was like, hey, what do you think of this for a name? And he's like, it's fine. It's great. What's wrong with Sunset Rubdown? <laughs> I was like, well, I don't know. It's a different project now. It's a different band. He's like, you maybe you want to consider not changing it and just go with Sunset Rubdown. And at the time that sounded ridiculous to me because mm -hmm. I had, you know, all these people attached to that name, like my, my bandmates that weren't gonna be moving on to this next project with me. So the idea of like moving the name from one to the other seemed like a disservice to the music and to them. And maybe, maybe it would have been, but I think uh, Dan's point was, you know, just like keep the name that people know it's just a name at the end of the day, like people will catch up with what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And looking back, 
I think he was probably right. Like he, he has done everything under Destroyer since yeah, day and one. Yeah, he's changed. Right? He's changed his style up a lot. It's true. So many times, and it's not like people are like, "Well, that should be a different name." Yeah, I mean, he could release a rap record, and it would still be Destroyer. Yeah, he's just what he does is Destroyer, and uh, yeah. I, I'll be honest, I envy him. I envy that that is like a decision that he made early on and kept to it. It's hard. I mean, I imagine that would be hard because after a certain number of years, I I think I personally would want to change your name just for like a change. You know, he's been yeah. Destroyer since the 90s, basically, right? Isn't that when Destroyer started? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that and that's a single, is a single word name, but it's always been Dan and other people. So it's kind of been this revolving project that he's just kind of kept the same name for. Well, I mean... To be fair, he did he did uh, pick a hell of a name. It is a good <laughs> it's a name. Great, it is it's a, a great good name. <laughs> and he can just be like, it's still Destroyer. It's always going to be cool to be called Destroyer. I guess that's true. Whereas, you know, like I mentioned, Moonface or Sunset Rubdown, I, I have a tendency to like find things really goofy and funny and be like, that's so funny and goofy, I want to make it official. Ha ha ha. Which, you know, those jokes only the humor only lasts so long <laughs> i also like the um so this is your first solo record or really any record of yours put out under your own given name but i i love that your record label that you started i guess for this project i'm guessing is pronounced Krug. right do people have people called you spencer krug yeah, my whole life. I don't know why I never thought that. And I started listening to Wolf Parade long before I ever knew what your name was. So I don't know why I never thought Krug. It just looks like Krug to me. I think it just depends on like <laughs> how much time you spent around Krug Champagne or like other. I mean, I was in high school, so I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I know. Um, I mean, it's German, right? And that. If you're over there, it's the words that are, it's obvious that it's crude to, to people, I think, in Europe. But mm -hmm. there's something, North Americans are like, yeah, Krug. <laughs> um, which to me is like a really silly sounding word. But yeah. I've been called that my whole life, even by like, you know, really enthusiastic fans mm -hmm. will, who've been listening to me for like you know, over a decade will call me Spencer Krug um which would always surprise and slightly disappoint me so I, <laughs> so i thought if if i'm starting a label might as well just set the record straight for sure while i have a chance are you intending to keep the record going for other people too like release other records not as of now okay but i, I don't want to i don't want to say that that's yeah. a a hard decision either way it's just that i wanted to try uh self-releasing yeah i was gonna say and, what is what has that been like for you because your your last Moonface records came out on jag jaguar and wolf parade sub pop so those are pretty big indie labels right uh, so what's it like for you releasing on your own it's different for sure it's harder it's mm -hmm. a lot more work um but it's not unrewarding. I don't necessarily mean financially. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, to be frank, financially, it has not been rewarding, <laughs> but that was the, that's not the intention. Like that's not the, right. the main concern right now. Um, I just thought the timing seemed right. Like, and I've put out so many records on labels over the years and never tried to self-release on my own. Um, I have a fairly loyal and amazing fan base. You know, there's not a million people out there or anything, but the, the people that do follow me are like very kind and very enthusiastic about what I do. Mm-hmm. So I know that they're going to support me irregardless of what label I'm on. Um, and being it, it being like the first record under my own name, it just seemed like a good time to, to try something like that. Yeah. Um, I I really love the the people that I worked with at Jag Jaguar, and I'm still in touch with them and still work with them in some ways. Mm-hmm. And Sub Pop as well. It just uh, we it didn't make sense for me to be on Jag Jaguar anymore. And uh, now I have this thing set up, this infrastructure is in place where I can put out my material whenever and however I want. Yeah, which is um, freeing in a way, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's going to be great, hopefully. Uh, the idea is great on paper for me. <laughs> um, we're going to also try to reissue old material as well um i won't get into like any titles but there's like a few ideas of different older records that i want to to reissue Mm. on vinyl through that label and then you know i've always liked to put out a, a, a lot of music faster than labels really want me to so i'll probably put out a like a record a year or something yeah well that's also a nice part of having your own label is you you work on your own schedule Right. I'll yeah. probably quickly learn why labels don't want me to put out a record every year. They're like, oh, I'm doing promo again. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm totally broke. I wonder why. <laughs> oh, it's because I put out three records in 19 months. Let's talk. I want to talk a little bit anyway, before I let you go about Wolf Parade. Um, mostly because, so Wolf Parade obviously took a pretty good sized break between Expo 86 and Cry 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 but then also you came out with In Mind um, just last year that was uh, if I remember correctly that was right before the pandemic Mm -hmm. Um, kind of hit full swing did you guys have to like abandon a tour were you a band that had to abandon a tour for that we did Mm. we had to abandon uh, every show we had planned in Europe Mm -hmm. Um, did you get sorry did you get to tour it at all we did. We toured it throughout North America. Okay. Um, and weirdly, we're able to hit both the East Coast and the West Coast and hit a lot of what uh, a booking agent would call major markets. Mm-hmm. Um, because of my wife's pregnancy. So, it, again, there's some sort of serendipity happened where we had a longer um tour we made the record gave it to the 
label set a release date and then uh my wife and i got pregnant and i after you know some phone calls and discussions with the band um you know obviously what happened was that her due date conflicted with like me being on tour for the, for our release tour for the record mm-hmm. which um so obviously like kind of two big things but one ends up taking a clear precedent over the other so i wasn't gonna be on tour while uh my first baby was born <laughs> so yeah i don't blame you we re reconfigured the entire tour so that we could squeeze in as much of like the quote-unquote important stuff as we could mm-hmm. before i had to head back home uh to be with my wife so that ended up being strangely lucky because the last thing we were going to do before i had to get rushed back home was like 10 or 12 days in europe to go do like some big cities over there mm-hmm. which we had to cancel we we didn't have to cancel actually we decided to cancel um because the pandemic was just starting and when we did cancel i specifically remember that it hadn't even been dubbed a pandemic yet mm. like the who declared it a pandemic i think a couple days after we canceled the european tour but everyone knew and caught on that this terrible thing was happening and it was spreading throughout the world and spreading throughout europe and we just thought it seems really irresponsible to go go get in a van like get in an airplane and then get in a van and drive from city to city all over europe in these crowded rooms and yeah possibly spread this thing around and also you i don't know if this is what happened to some people but it feels like you might have even gotten kind of stranded there possibly that was another concern yeah for sure was like i don't want to be in quarantine in like dublin when my wife is going into labor like yeah. that would just the the idea of it was so heartbreaking but it wasn't just because of that that we canceled to her by any means it was like we talked it out and just like as a rational people were like this is a bad idea mm-hmm. so we canceled the tour some people gave a shit online and then like within a week <laughs> and like a yeah even less than a week later it seems like it was clearly the right thing to do yeah um but because we needed to to condense the original release tour because of my wife's pregnancy we were then able luckily able to hit um most of north america in a in a meaningful way that's good which yeah again a weird sort of serendipity yeah i mean it's good the record came out in the early months because yeah you were able to tour it a little bit because i i really you know did feel for the people who had a record come out like the week of the pandemic like the week everything shut down or you know maybe they got to play like one show and then the tour got canceled like that i mean that that sucks yeah. so i'm glad you guys got to play it a little bit and so or really yeah, a lot we're, actually probably. we're grateful for what we got to do and i totally yeah. feel for the other artists that weren't didn't have that same luck so i mentioned the break between the two records did you guys quote unquote break up or was it always a conscious like we're just going to take a break like how would you classify that time 
honestly, I would classify it as neither. Okay. Probably closer to the former. Okay. Like, but I mean, it's it's not a, it's not a thing that we ever said out loud. We never yeah. like, well, we broke up. Not yeah. even really to each other. It's just, it was very clear that we needed a break, mm-hmm. so we so we took it, um, and we just kind of left it at that. Because I think one thing about Wolf Parade is that all of the members of Wolf Parade recognize that there's something special there, um, and you know are rational enough people to to not want to just throw it away. Um, and I'm glad we didn't, mm-hmm. but we also knew at the time that we needed, we needed to take a break, you know, not just because of like, personality differences or whatever, but just, just life, like people wanted to do other things. And, um, it, the band was becoming like, it was taking up too much time mm-hmm. and I've said this before many times and I really think it's true. Like if we had made a fourth record at that time, like a year after whenever we took our hiatus, I think it would have been, I think it would have been bad. Of course I can't know that for sure, but yeah, you need like a certain amount of camaraderie in the studio to, to make good music together. And that, that sense of camaraderie was like failing. It was slipping. And so we had the the foresight to not try to force anything and just take a break. That's that's the way that I remember it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we all spread out like all over the world in a way that would made it impossible for us to be a band anyway. And then when we all sort of got back into Canada, just for various reasons, um, the idea was put on the table to to try another record we it didn't even start with that it was like let's try to get in a jam room together and see what happens yeah i kind of remember there was the ep that came out prior to cry 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 right um and i i kind of remember that being sort of part of the press cycle of that was like we just wanted to see what would happen if we did this again because it's been so long yeah that's exactly true and what happened was that ep for, for mm-hmm. better or for worse I don't, i'm not <laughs> in hindsight i'm not sure we should have shared that ep with the world but we were like i think we were excited that we were making music together again so we did yeah um and then cry 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 i think is a cool record and i think thin mind is even better so uh mm-hmm. that's just my opinion no so, i mean it, it sounded it sounds like especially i think thin mind sounds like you know wolf parade now you know it, i think it doesn't it doesn't sound like wolf parade in 2012 you know like i think i think it sounded like you guys took a break and kind of reoriented a little bit in a good way okay (laughs) in a good way well thin mine is uh interesting in that it's the first record that just dan and arlen and i made I i don't know if i knew that yeah um we started as a three piece and very quickly evolved into a four piece and then a five piece and then, and then different incarnations of uh, 
people for a while and then settled into like me and Dan and Arlen and Dante for like the majority of the, the band's life. Mm-hmm. And then then mine is just me and Dan and Arlen because Dante wanted to, to pursue other things in life. Mm-hmm. And uh, we toyed with the idea of a different fourth member. And then the more we thought about it, we got excited about the idea of exploring what was possible as a trio. And that record is the result of that exploration. Hmm. And then we, the touring we did was as a three piece too, which was like super fun and challenging and liberating and like all these different like aspects of being on stage with such a stripped down band uh, came into play in a way that I I think was really cool. Mm. So it's kind of almost like, I don't want to say like a back to basics thing, but like it, it is sort of like the original formation of the band sort of, but so much farther on from when you guys started. Yeah. Hmm. And to, it, it totally is like back to the basics that's okay to say. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't want it to sound like I was like, oh, we'll bring him back to square one. <laughs> no, I mean, we totally, like we're in such musically and we're, we're all such different people than mm-hmm. when we started uh, musically and otherwise. So there's no way we're going to just sound like the beginning again. But um, yeah, it was nice to strip everything down to like the bare minimum and to write songs with the with those guys in that way again. Dan and Arlen and I have a way of writing songs really quickly when it's just the three of us. Mm. Um, in a way that I find really exciting. Well, you already said you are your fast worker. <laughs> right. And I think they are too. And uh, there's just a, we don't allow ourselves to overthink anything. Mm-hmm. it's an an almost unspoken agreement that we have in the studio i think we speak about it now but we never release really to so is wolf parade then the way it seems like i would describe it based off what it seems like is that it seems like it's sort of this perpetual entity you know that kind of ebb will come and go or ebbs and flows is that how you would describe it for you like I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like Wolf Parade has no plans for the immediate future. Mm-hmm. Like in the, in the next few months, but there there are some some plans in the on the horizon. Um. So the band still exists in a functioning way. Mm-hmm. Uh. I don't know if it will last forever or right or what or when our next record will be, but uh, I don't think it's going anywhere. I really can't <laughs> say, of course, and it's not up to me. No, right? yeah, sure. Um, but you know, for whatever it's worth, we do have there. There are there are some like concrete, definitive plans for the future that's not entirely up in the air i just can't get into the details of what no, those of things are yeah like i 
contractually obligated <laughs> to not tell you what they are. Hey, that's cool. <laughs> um, you, you mentioned how you guys are all so different now than you were when you started both personally and musically. What's your relationship like with your earlier work? I mean, do you ever like, God forbid, listen back to your old stuff or think about your old stuff like super early Wolf Parade stuff? Like, what what's your relationship like with that kind of that work? That you part mean of your spe- life? specifically with Wolf Parade or or really anything? Solo? I mean, yeah, I know that you had some some non Wolf Parade stuff around the same era. So yeah, what is it like for you to kind of think about those right. things now? I guess the answer is the same whether it's Wolf Parade or or stuff outside of that band and which is that I never listen to it. <laughs> I will only listen to it if I have to, which mm-hmm. is not to say that it's an unpleasant experience, but it would just never occur to me to put on my own music in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I do hear it, it sounds like the music of another person. It's not an it's, interesting experience. Yeah, it is. It's because it was made so long ago and I, and I have, I do feel that I've changed so much. I mean, we're talking about 20 years ago. So yeah. anyone changes from their mid twenties to their mid forties. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. It, it is a different person that made that music. And it was made so long ago that I can't remember the details of it. So when I hear it back, like uh, Sunset Road Down, Snake's Got a Leg had some sort of in- anniversary a few months ago or last year or something, and I participate, part, sorry, participated in a anniversary online chat with uh, some some fans. And I intentionally didn't listen to the record beforehand. <laughs> um, it's like listening to the music of another person, for sure. There's no way I would make that music now. And I couldn't remember the details of what I'd done. and. I was such a different person then that I am now that it's really, it's, it's surreal because it's like remembering a dream. Maybe that's the best way to describe it. Mm. Like, you know, when you have a memory of a dream that and it's like, you didn't, it's not until you remember it that you had any knowledge of that thing happening. Yeah. <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. And then you hear it back like, Oh Yeah. I did that. What a weird decision. <laughs> not not in a bad way. Yeah. It can be bad. It can sometimes you're like, oh yeah, I did that. Like, oh, look, what a weird decision. <laughs> or sometimes it's like, oh, that's neat that that person back then wanted to sing that line that way or whatever. Yeah. But it's not um it's not familiar. Is it weird? Is it weird when you end up playing some really old songs in your sets no only when i have to like re-immerse myself in them to relearn them right but once right. once i've done that i've like sort of like reintegrated them into my mm-hmm. person i've that like sense. redeveloped the muscle memory to play them and reacquainted myself with the lyrics yeah in a way that i can emotionally get behind and you know i make it my own again basically yeah make it 
the Spencer of whatever today is as opposed to 20 years ago, Spencer. Yeah. Yeah. Which well, is as why you, you said earlier, you, you like to kind of reinvent even newer songs. So it's kind of maybe something you that, that you would do anyway. Yeah, it is a weird habit of mine. <laughs> but I think I instinctually would only do that, especially with older songs. I would only do that with ones that I, in some part of me knows that I can get behind. I'm not going to like take some crazy old B-side out on tour. Yeah. Um, because you know, it's good to leave some things in the past. But at the same time, I mean, can Wolf Parade even play a show without people wanting you to play like I'll Believe in Anything or something like that? Well, that band's a whole other <laughs> ball of wax. Okay, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> and to answer your question, like, no, not really. The, yeah. We, we can't play a show without... There's a... There's, handful, a, there's always a, a very few, yeah. very small handful of songs that we know some people would be disappointed if we right. don't play right and that's a whole other ball of wax where you you reach a point where you realize that the the, the crowd is how do i put this like the audience's wants become more important than what you want to do on stage Mm-hmm. Um, not all the time, not across the board, but basically you, you just end up at a place where you're like, well, it's not such a fucking big deal for us to play this song, even though we might have played it a hundred times and might not want to play it on this particular night because maybe we're not super excited about it on paper. The fact is there, you know that there's, you know, probably hundreds of people in front of you that do want to hear it. And that reality alone can um, fuel enough excitement for the song to be good for both you and the audience. Yeah, if I would that Im- makes sense. It does. I, I would imagine that sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, like palpable excitement from people who, you know, when that when any of those songs start and you can feel it, that is its own satisfaction. Yeah. Let me put it this way. When we're like rehearsing those old like quote unquote hits from Apologies <laughs> to the Queen Mary, you know, because we we got to warm them up before we take them on tour. Um, mm-hmm. Rehearsing them is sort of like, we will laugh at how somehow we never forget the details of those songs. They're so ingrained in our bodies at this point. But there's also sort of like, uh, okay, let's get this part over with. <laughs> Um, that doesn't exist on stage at all because mm-hmm. there, there's like a, like you said, a palpable excitement from the people in front of you and their, their energy feeds you, which in turn feeds back out of them. You create this great cycle of energy that, um, that's what live shows are all about. This like two way transmission. Yeah. Um, so it kind of ends up not mattering if you're doing a new song or a super old song. It's really just about engaging with the audience in front of you in a meaningful way. Yeah, that um, makes sense. Yeah, so the very short answer is it's super fun to play old songs in front of people <laughs> and not super fun to play old songs just for yourself. 
That totally makes sense. <laughs> um, well, Spencer, we have reached near the end. Um, I have recently begun doing something I'll probably end up regretting, which is a sort of lightning round of questions. Oh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be fucking terrible. At this. <laughs> I don't think you're gonna be alone in that either. Um, but it's only three, and they're very. I think they're very sort of simple. Okay. <laughs> You'll probably be like, "That's not simple at all." Um, so first one, what is your least favorite instrument? Mm, didgeridoo. Oh, that's, I was not expecting that. <laughs> I feel like most people would say like bagpipes or something. Didgeridoo is like right in line with bagpipes. Isn't I... it? It's basically <laughs> the Australian bagpipe. <laughs> I love bagpipes. Don't get me. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to stick up for bagpipes. <laughs> um, so this this second question is because I had no for some reason I had no idea that you were associated with them ever. What is your favorite Frog Eyes song? Oh, uh, the <laughs> fuck! I don't know. It's a little hard to be impartial, I guess. Maybe that's an unfair question. It's not unfair. It's just I I know what it is, but I can't I can't remember the title of the song because Carrie's titles are so bonkers. They are. It's true. <laughs> um, it's off. It's off bloody hand. Okay. Let me, I've got my computer in front of me. Let's just look it up. <laughs> Let's do this. Bloody hand frog eyes. It's, it's got a Wikipedia entry and everything. Sure. Oh shit! It's nothing's. Ringing. <laughs> You're like nothing's, it's not on. The... Nothing's ringing a bell. <laughs> you can say that's your favorite album of theirs. We can just leave it there. Oh, sound travels. Sound travels from the okay. Snow of the dark. Okay. Um, yes, and that is a very Carrie Mercer title. <laughs> right. Yeah. Weird that that didn't just stick in my head. Yeah, of course. But as soon as I saw it, yeah, we we would just call it sound travels on stage, and it's yeah. uh, it's super cathartic to play and to listen to. I think it's a great song. I would imagine at least playing most of their songs are cathartic. Yeah. I mean, it's been a long time, but yeah. I, yeah, somehow I didn't know you were involved with Frog Guys. I don't know how I didn't know that, but it was a it... long, long time ago. So, and it was only one record. Okay. Because um, it came up in my, like, in my pre research for this talk, and I was like, oh, but okay. Um, all right. Final question. Who is at least at least one of your relatively large musical inspirations? I Isn't hate this question. It, it, I've always hated this question. We can ignore it. You can no. It's I mean, <laughs> uh, this because there's so many different sides of like then you get into like you're talking music or lyrics because those are two totally mm -hmm. different things do you want what would it help if i narrow it down to like this newest record of yours no because i don't know <laughs> let's um, talk let's talk lyrics we'll, we'll stick with lyrics then lately i've really been into when I say lately, I'm gonna say that's like for the last couple of years. Okay. I've been really into a certain sound that I have not quite 
um, integrated into my own music yet. Uh, I think mostly due to a lack of bravery or something or a lack of know-how, but there's this certain kind of like post-punk kind of talk singing for lack of a better expression that I really love. And this isn't about the lyrics themselves. It's entirely about delivery. Mm -hmm. It's like a Marky Smith thing from the fall, but there's okay. like more contemporary examples that I've been really into recently. Uh, do you like dry cleaning? I haven't caught on to them yet. I know I also I, I also write for Beats Per Minute and and they love them. So yeah, I've heard a lot about them. You should check it out. The the single Scratch Card Lanyard okay. is a great. It's like one of my favorite new songs. Um, like it went. It's hardly ever happens to me anymore. Like you hear a song for the first time and it like makes you super excited to listen to it again. Like you almost can't wait for it to be over so you can press play again. <laughs> Um, and that's one of those songs for me. I think they're great. And uh, their singer, she uh, has this beautiful spoken word delivery of lyrics that are, um, from my understanding, just sort of like cobbled together words that she sort of collects in, into a notebook, like not necessarily all her own words. She sort of sees words in, uh, like advertisements on a bus or things that she overhears people say as you know and then meshes that with her own poetry and creates these like beautifully vague yet somehow meaningful yet playful um poems and mm -hmm. and then speaks them over really great kind of post-punk music i think it's really rad um, I very, very recently was introduced to Black Country New New Road. You know oh, that yeah, band? They're, yeah, they're another big one. The drummer for Fading Graffiti, who's the guy that I just went and did these sessions with a few days ago, is like 20 years my junior. Um, he's always showing me new things, because, which is great because especially with the pandemic, I don't really like searching out new music on the internet. Like, of course I do it, but then that thing where the algorithm tells you what else you'd like, it starts to make <laughs> me feel kind of sick inside after a while. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I do. And like, I don't want to discover music this way. I want to discover it like with someone like more, yeah. more organically. Um, so Eli's just like this wealth of like eager information. I love it. And he's like, you'll like this man. You'll like this man. Just a few days ago, he was like, "Why don't you know who Black Country New Road is? You love them." And I was like, "What do you know?" And then he showed me it, and I was like, "You're right. I fucking love it." <laughs> so to answer your question lyrically, um, I really love that style of delivery, and it's something that I've, that has always resonated with me. Even just like hearing uh, someone read a poem. Mm. to a live audience or spoken word or to some small degree slam poetry mm -hmm. <laughs> i've realized that's an, that's an icy slope <laughs> yeah i know and i i totally i i recognize that's a very slippery <laughs> slope and i acknowledge it but there is something there's a quality there that has always resonated with me mm -hmm. um 
that I think I'm, I've explored a little bit in this past year with, with my Patreon releases, a little bit in 2019 too, but that, that, rec, that song didn't make the record. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, to, truth be told, that's a big influence of mine. Hmm. The problem is I also love singing. I love the, yeah. the physical act of singing a melody. Yeah. So I end up writing these sort of words that would maybe even be better delivered in a spoken word style. And then I sing them out. So then I end up just singing a, a <laughs> shit ton of words, which is kind of what I do, right? Sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, that's as good an answer as any. I'm, I'm realizing now that that was not a simple question. <laughs> That it was totally a, that was. That was a I'm misnomer. Just, no, no, no. I'm just, I'm really, really good at overcomplicating things. That's okay. It's perhaps my my forte. <laughs> it's well, what I do best. I'll take a simple thing and I'll fuss it up. Hey, I don't. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> um, on that note, I will say thank you very much, Spencer Krug, for talking to me tonight. Um. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, it was quite a quite a pleasure for me to get to speak with you today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thank you for pronouncing my last name properly. Yes, it's Krug, not Krug. Uh, I'm just kidding. But um, in all seriousness, it's it's been a blast, and thanks for the chat. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. Likewise, I will. Uh, I'll talk to you more on the internet. I imagine in days to come yes yes you will <laughs> okay have a good rest of your day until then i'm gonna now try to figure out how to turn off zoom i'm gonna go oh. with this red button that says leave yeah i'm gonna end it for you actually in a moment <laughs> <laughs> and then you just x out anyway i'm, I'm out three two one bye leave. all right see ya <laughs>